I'm Greg, and you're listening to Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Finally, are you ready for today? Sure. Who we got? This one is this one's a doozy. So you know the kids, and I know your kids too, are online all the time. Yeah. Phones are always connected. Yeah. Today we have the center for online safety. Oh, this is going to be a good. One. I wish we had that when my kids were younger. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah, good time for you. Yeah, it is a good time because yeah. I'm struggling um, between screen time and what's allowed, what's not allowed, and a lot of often I'm like, okay, this is a safe, uh, safe site, and then I'll hear something in the background like, whoa, like it's a word or a phrase, or I hear the kids repeating it, saying they just saw it on this or saw it on that. Some old dude. Exactly. Right. Pop it out of nowhere. So really, really going to be listening on this one. I really could use the help. So I'm hoping that uh, we get some tips from um, from the center and Lisa. It's Lisa Hano. So she'll be on and uh, she's the founder. So I'm hoping that she's got some expertise that she can share with me. Excellent. Can't wait to hear. All right. Without further ado, are you concerned about safety online for your child or teen? Lisa Honold is too. Lisa is the founder of the Center for Online Safety, a national organization that encourages parents, teachers, and communities to be intentional in creating relationships with children and teens, especially around technology. Lisa believes technology is a great thing, but it's important to start kids off with training wheels online and to stay involved with their tech use. She's here today on Totally Preventable to share information with parents and professionals on keeping kids safe online. Lisa, this is an honor for us to have you on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited to have this conversation with you too. Thank you. Thank you. To, to start off, can you just tell us about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I don't know how far back we want to go, but I started in the professional world as a CPA. I've got that analytical mindset and I'm always looking for solutions. As I had kids, my kids are now in their teens, 19, 17, and and 14. Uh, My heart opened up and realized there was more than analytics in life and um, realized I wanted to be a parent that was connected and really involved in day-to-day with kids. And uh, so I homeschooled for a lot of years and took all of the parenting classes I could around positive discipline, became a facilitator to teach classes. And now I teach all kinds of classes here locally in Washington state. Uh, And then as my kids were growing up, I watched them, I watched their friends start to struggle with screens. And I was listening to other parents and friends say, what are you doing about this? Like how much screen time is appropriate? And what if they give you attitude? And all of these questions that everybody's trying to figure out individually, uh, I wanted to give people a a place to to come and share ideas, share answers, ask questions without any judgment. And about five and a half years ago, Center for Online Safety was created. It started before that I was doing parent education in general. I became very specific as the parents that were coming to me, 90% of their questions was around screen use and how do I do this? And when do I do this? And what happens if this bad thing happens in our, like all of those questions became front and center. And I realized I really needed to focus. Ah. I think um, screen time and social media are one of the biggest questions we get from parents and, um, that we don't really have a great answer for. You know, we work around drug prevention, alcohol, 
marijuana, tobacco, and we do cover screen use and online safety, but it's it's such a um, open-ended question. I feel like it depends on the family and where the kids are at and how old the kids are. And so um, you have some tips for parents, um, you know, some basic tips and we can get into some more detail, but um, I a lot of parents just want to not allow their kids to have um, any kind of internet or phone um, till they're pretty old. And um, we we chose for our kids to wait till they were in high school, but um, that was quite a few years ago. I'm thinking it's getting younger and younger now. Um, I think the pressure now for kids to have access to to Snapchat and Instagram, because that's where their friends are already socializing, the pressure is there to really uh, have phones by the time they're in middle school or even earlier for some families. And, uh, you know, I, there's no judgment with what families decide to do, but um, there is a lot of pressure for, for kids to get phones earlier and earlier and have access uh, to screens earlier and earlier. What the research is showing now that we've got enough data you know, we've got enough years behind us, is that um, parents do best when they give some freedom to kids in their teens uh, around internet and, and what they're doing, but they also are involved day to day. So helicoptering, no. Controlling uh, with, uh, you know, you're not going to have anything until you're 18 and out of the house. No, because they need to be making mistakes at home where you can continue to guide them. But uh, a parent who is involved day to day and asking questions and finding out what's going on and even looking at the phone every once in a while to, to see the pictures that are shared back and forth and who they're friends with online and that kind of thing. Those are the relationships that seem to do better. I I have the, the younger kids um, and they're, they are, uh, always asking about phones and it surprises me my kids are nine and seven and it surprises me sometimes when they'll tell me oh yeah such and such had to put their phone away before we played and I was like oh they have a phone and they're seven <laughs> always, always shocks me but one thing um I'd like to know is just going back a little was there a, a particular event that that caused you to say you know what I'm going to start I'm going to found uh, I'm going to create this center for online safety or was it just because of the parents continuously talking about it. What brought on the, the center? It was a barrage of parents coming to me with questions. And also one of my kids was having what I would call a digital crisis where they got involved in something and another parent had to tell me. Mm. Um, and it, it you know kind of blindsided me. I didn't realize we were headed in this direction, but that's typically where parents come to me is they've had this digital crisis in their family. And they're like, what do we do now? I had no idea this was even possible. Uh, so it was a it was a mixture of what was happening in community and society and parents that I was working with, as well as uh, a personal event that made me wake up and say, this can happen to anybody. I really want to be front and center in the room as we're having these discussions about what to do and what best practices are. And another thing you were mentioning about not being the helicopter, I think one thing that I struggle with is I tend to react like my parents would have reacted. And, and I hear myself saying a lot of things that my parents said to me when I'm saying it to the kids. 
So I'd be one of those parents who would say, you know, at this age, you could have a phone mm-hmm. and not really thinking about, you know, they they need to make those mistakes at home before they're making those mistakes outside. So I, I greatly appreciate that. Well, one- let's talk for a minute about um, first phones, because we're in a generation now where there's some better first phones. You don't have to go right from no phone to the latest and greatest smartphone without any kind of parental controls. Now there's these first phones that have safety built into them that are great for for parents that are wanting to tread lightly and have intentional screen use and intentional technology. Uh, There are some great first phones now that that we can talk about if if that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in the last couple of years, Tech companies have noticed parents really want to have, uh, you know, an option between the training wheel, well, nothing, and a Ferrari. They need some training wheel, period. And uh, so uh, there are three phones I'm always recommending. One is Pinwheel. Uh, They've got phones that were built by, uh, they had input from psychologists, so they're uh, very much positive reinforcing and habit reinforcing for good things. Uh, another is called Gab, G-A-B-B, uh, and that's uh, less scalable than the other two that I mentioned, but it's a great first phone. The most scalable is a phone that just came out in November, December of 2022, and that's a Bark phone, B-A-R-K, like the dog. Um, what's cool about it is it's scalable, so you can lock it down to begin with and then give them um, social media and things as you feel like they're ready and, and you're talking about uh, the issues that are there. Uh, it's a great first phone. It, all three of these, they look like real smartphones. Your your kid isn't going to get made fun of because they look so different. Um, they're good looking and they give parents peace of mind as well. Well, so now I'm wondering if the kids have this phone. <laughs> and now my hip dad status is gone. <laughs> I didn't know about it. <laughs> now, now I have to look into it. Definitely. <laughs> I'm so I'm assuming these phones, because this was going to be one of my questions, is even if you think you're tech savvy, um a, a tech savvy parent, um, I feel like kids are just light years ahead of us. Um, so these um Phones that you recommend are would help a parent with those issues. I know, like my my kids are grown adults now, and they tell me about you know having email that your parents don't know about, hiding things in a calculator app, all these uh, you know ways to dupe your parents. And um, you know, I I I believe it. You know, I I I wouldn't know to go look for a fake calculator app, mm-hmm. or I mean, I do I wouldn't have then, but um. So these phones will help parents with those situations? Exactly. Because they have parental controls built into them, uh, you can't just go and Google, you know, how do I get out of this app or what do I do to trick my parents and be sneaky? You can't just do that. These phones are built uh, for safety, number one. Uh, so it takes that out of the equation. Wow. And that's another reason not to be uh, super controlling uh, once kids have access to you know, smartphones and social media, uh, that that level of controlling will make kids get sneaky, right? Uh, if they feel like all their friends are doing it and they're not doing it and, and uh, there's conflict and power struggle between you, 
uh, it's easy for them to find a way around the rule that you think you have set up. What I, I want to go back for a minute and and talk about the landscape that we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set up right now. It's not your fault, parents. It's not your fault for where we are with this. We're the first generation to be parenting this level of technology and this pressure, this huge pressure that kids have to be on technology all the time. Um, We don't have a national standard yet. We're working on legislation that's national. Uh, But until we get that, tech companies aren't going to behave themselves. Uh, They've had lots of opportunities uh, in congressional hearings, in personal stories of parents that have suffered huge tragic losses of of their kids. They've had lots of time to uh, develop prevention strategies and they haven't, and they're not going to until we have legislation around this. And California is a step ahead of the rest of the country with their age appropriate design code. So yay, California, that's huge. Um, But until we have national standards, it's going to be hard to just go piecemeal. I, I would so much rather have you know, this, this national, uh, legislation, but I mean, you think about the system being rigged, we've got hugely addictive games and social media sites where they're rewarding kids for coming back day after day. So your Snapchat streak has to continue every day. There's pressure there and games, you get things unlocked. If you come back every day, there's, um, you know, the social rewards that kids get with the likes and the comments and the things that uh, make them feel like they have social status. There's the lack of good, solid, effective parental controls that uh, give parents false confidence that they're able to really protect kids with what we have. We don't have enough yet in parental controls. Um, and the fact that kids, they want to be doing what their friends are doing. Lots of kids would like to reduce their their screen habits but it's hard when all their friends are there. Like, how do we start this revolution to get kids off of uh, off of their phones um, when everybody else is, is there? Even if they want to, it's hard to take a break for longer than a couple of days because they miss out. Right, right. Wow. I feel like the pandemic as well mm. didn't help because we wanted our kids to be able to socialize. And if they couldn't socialize in person um, early in the pandemic, they could stay connected with their friends through social media. So it was um, maybe even encouraged more, you know, reach out to your friend, you know, be on Zoom, you know, that kind of um, interaction. So we're kind of given, I don't want to say a mixed message, but we were promoting the connectedness with social media. And now we want them to scale it back. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say COVID, all rules went out the window (laughs) between schools that were handing out Chromebooks and doing everything online virtually and us saying, we want you to stay involved in in your community and, uh, you know, to have active friends, even if they are just online for a little while. That was was what we had to do. And one of the things that um, helps now is to say that was then. And this is now, Mm. now we can look around, we're in a different time period, Uh, we can get back uh, face to face in person, and uh, reevaluate 
what's working and what's not with technology. And I'm not anti-tech at all. I'm not anti-social media. There's a place for everything. It's just what, what, how can we be intentional about this and make sure that kids are getting the best of technology and their, their, the rest of their life is fulfilling and they know that they matter in real life. They know that uh, they've got friends in real life. I like that you mentioned the the addiction, like uh, the, the social media addiction or gaming addiction. I, I read how when 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 someone gets a like, that dopamine in their brain, that that sense of reward, it's almost like a hit of a illegal drug or a substance. Mm-hmm. And I never heard it that way until you know this particular this particular time, and then. Just imagining that, like hearing, seeing that like, and then the disappointment that comes when you post that photo and you didn't get the like, how that just completely drains. So I I, I love hearing you talk about that. What are different, um, for, for the parent who may not think, you know, my child has too much screen time, there's no dangers with screen time. What are some of the, the harms, some of the dangers that you've come across from uh, youth online. Mm-hmm. Um, the most common ones are a sense of having to check in often, uh, and what's the word? Having to check in all the time, fear of missing out. That FOMO idea of uh, my friends are doing something cool and I'm not, and I need to be. Uh, online all the time. So there's that anxiety, that sense of if I'm not checking in, I'm missing out. Uh, That's uh, pretty much every kid has that sense. Um, But you go from there, my brain is going all different directions. You go from there to the most extreme examples of, you know, severe cyberbullying and um, kids who uh, think that they're drugs are available online drugs are available on social media so sometimes kids order uh, a pill thinking they're getting one thing and it's laced with fentanyl and that's the end and it's it's poisoning it's nothing that they were looking for Uh, so the the harms range from kind of every day what's happening that sense of uh, I've got to be online all the time all the way up to kids are dying um, because of this and relationships are suffering along the way because parents don't have the tools to help and they don't have the training, uh, to, to guide alongside the child and the teen. Thank you. Yes. Um, I went to a presentation must've been eight or 10 years ago. Um, so tech has come a long way since then. And it was on the dangers of social media and your child being um, safe and anonymous online. Mm. And at the time, so again, 10 years ago, um, this gentleman was able to get on a young woman's social media that her parents had thought was pretty locked down. And he was able to locate their house. Like, you know, through Googling some names and... um, some locations that she was at, right down to a photo of her 
with her curtains in the back, and he was able to pinpoint what room in their house was her bedroom. Scary. And that was 10 years ago. So I'm going to sound like a fear, you know, like I'm trying to put fear in everybody's mind, but, um, you know, it, it must be so much worse now. Um, it, people are able to, to locate people so quickly with snap maps and locations and Google maps. And um, are there any tricks or tips to keeping your kids safer or teaching them how dangerous it is for people to know who you are or where you are without, you know, scaring them to death? That's a really good question, Polly. Um, one of the best things that they can do is turn off their location when they've got devices to just to turn off their location to talk about snap maps and yeah it seems like a fun idea but the reality is it's not just your friends who could locate you that way there's a lot of other people that might be interested not for good reasons uh, so you know to talk to your your kids about what location does and what privacy means to you and your family uh, that's one of the the big things I just saw an article about um, Google is letting you blur out your house on Google Maps. Uh, I'll send you the link because it's an interesting idea uh, for for privacy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works after ten years of your house being on a map. Right. If it actually if it actually takes effect right away or how that works. Mm. Uh, but it's a great idea. I think. Uh, best practice would be nobody would have their house showing, you know, at that level of detail where you can see everything. Right. 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 Can you tell us a little about, uh, excuse me, a little bit about the circle of safety? Yeah, the circle of safety is kind of the foundational tool that I use uh, to talk about the five actions that parents and caregivers can do to stay involved in their kids' tech use. Um, the there's five actions. They spell out the word family. Uh, you want me just to go through them briefly? Yeah, okay. It's helping. <laughs> All right. Ask questions along the way. So they spell out family. The first one is filter. Uh, one of the best things that we can do at home is to have a filter on our internet at home. Uh, there are two types of filters. You know, there's a technology one where we've got a filter that's attached to our router at home or we've got an, an app that's like um, the Bark Home app or Circle app uh, where you don't wanna have everything coming in from the internet uh, unfiltered. It's mm. There's a lot of garbage. So you're gonna close the door to a lot of that garbage just by having a filter. The other filter we have is human filters. So we parents can be human filters when we're looking over our kid's shoulder, when we're saying, hey, what's going on? What are you looking at? Uh, we can filter. And when we're sitting with kids watching YouTube, uh, oh, that was a weird ad. Tell me about that. You know, like just having those conversations about uh, what's normal and what's weird, what's abnormal. Uh, oh, look at that comment. That's not what we would do in this family. Having those conversations. So filter. So my first question on filter. Yeah. Now this filter whether it's the app or a device that you put on the router, is this something where it, you can customize what's coming in? And is it absolutely switch on and off because if an adult is using the system versus a child using it? 
Yeah. Most of them go device by device. So they're a pain to set up because you have to look at everything that's on your network, on your router at home and decide, is it this, my, is this my kids? Is this the, the Roomba? Like you have to decide once, but then once it's set up, it's all good because the devices that you've labeled your kids, you can, uh, you can do things like um, filter them as mm-hmm. a child and you get more access because you've, you're an adult right yeah right so we got f we got f all right move to a a is for align this is something that will help as adults so anyone who's involved day-to-day in your child's life whether they're a babysitter uh, co-parents spouses um after school care to to talk as a group tell me what your idea of healthy screen time is for my child Tell me what that looks like. It's especially important if parents aren't together anymore, if there's two households, just to have conversations and to try to come to an agreement on what makes sense for the health and safety of your child. Uh, one parent typically is more involved in uh, the research or the 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 idea that ooh, this there there are some dangers here, and so to to share ideas and talk about your background and what do you think is appropriate. Uh, it opens conversations and it lets you present a united front uh, so that when your child asks, you can already have an idea of what your joint uh, decision will be. You just need to talk it through a little bit more. So that aligning can happen you know, as early as when kids are babies starting to talk about, oh, when, when would a, a child get an iPad or what do you think about giving uh, screen time to a two-year-old at you know, in the grocery cart, as you're, as you're going through Costco, that kind of thing. How do you feel about that? Should that be an exception? Should that, how does that work? Just having honest conversations about what the standards are going to be. I gotta say, when I see a two-year-old in the grocery store watching a movie on an iPad or something, part of me is a little jealous that that wasn't around for me (laughs) when I had kids in the grocery store. And the other part of me is like, well, these kids ever be able to soothe themselves when they're bored mm-hmm. without a device you know like I I felt like when my kids were little my purse was just full of stuff you know mm-hmm. markers Legos whatever things like to that my kids could figure out and keep themselves busy but when I see that two-year-old watching a movie because they were cranky I think what what's going to happen if that iPad breaks or if that they don't have the technology how are they going to keep themselves busy And that's the problem as kids are getting into school, principals are telling me over and over again, these kids, they don't know how to self-soothe. They don't know how to socially interact because uh, every social event, uh, their kids give them, I mean, their, their parents give them a device and that's just how it is, is, you know, they're doing one thing, parents are doing another, uh, so they go to school and that's really the first opportunity to see what skills they have outside of screens. You know, it's not what uh, schools are going to give them every time. So there is this gap between what's happening up until school time and then school. I was just at, um, there's a Northwest Flower and Garden show and it's in February every year. And I was, uh, you know, people watching uh, last Saturday and was surprised by the the number of kids that were on devices 
at the flower show. It's such a beautiful show and there's so much to do. I was like, man, this is a missed opportunity for, for parents to be talking to their kids about that garden and, oh, there's a dinosaur and there's a flower and getting excited about springtime. It was, it was, uh, it's just a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that yes, I used Sesame Street as a babysitter sometimes, and there is no judgment with using phones sometimes as babysitters. We do need to make sure that they've got filters on them so kids aren't getting wandering into areas we don't want them in. Um, uh, but as a as a standard, it would be fantastic to say, um, we're going to go to this place as a family, and this is how it's going to go, and I'm going to have things in my purse that I pull out like Mary Poppins. That's what I did too. (laughs) And it works. Wow. And then the standards are just when we're out and about, this is how it is. Right. Right. I was a parent with the kid in the cart. (laughs) I'm going to keep quiet. (laughs) Like I said, no judgment. It's just what's, what's standard. And then what's exceptional. It's okay to have exceptions to this. If Costco is a really hard place for your kid to be, when I went into any box store with my middle child, he would throw fits. Mm. And it was just, it was how it was for a year or more. Um, So if I had had screens at that time, yeah, that would have been a great opportunity for me to say it is worth it in this instance to do that. Yeah, No judgment. I've witnessed Greg's kids playing with Legos and coloring this morning. So <laughs> it's a healthy balance. Okay. That's because they're not in Costco. But I'm that, I'm that, I'm I get that, it. Every, every brand of cereal would have been in that cart. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're on we're in M? M. M. Yeah. M. M is for monitor. And yeah. like the F, there's two parts. One is the human monitoring, which is uh, just looking over their shoulder, making sure you understand um, the types of people they're following, what they're doing, what games they're playing, what they're downloading. Uh, So monitor the physical end of things and then monitor uh, the technology end of things. There are apps that you can use and I don't recommend spy apps, uh, but there are apps you can use that send alerts when kids um, may have gotten a photo that has blood in it or a photo that has nudity in it, or, you know, some emojis that also mean things uh, besides just the cute little emojis that they are, uh, or uh, perhaps there's some bullying going on. So it lets kids keep their privacy. But then when a parent needs to have eyes on, it gives you a a little window into what they're doing and, you know, how you might want to respond. How, what advice could you give a parent? Like for children my age, nine and seven, I think it'll be a little easier for me to explain why I'm applying this monitor or why I'm monitoring them or applying the filter. What advice would you give a parent who may be hearing this and has like a 14, 15 year old where it's a, it may be a little more of a difficult conversation to, to, you know, just spring this upon them. What advice would you give that parent? Yeah, I can tell you have kids, Greg. (laughs) That is such a good question. And it's a common question, especially from parents who didn't realize all of the things their kids were going to get into accidentally or on purpose. And they come to me after they've given a phone without any of this going on. And they say, what do I do now? Like, I don't feel like I can back up and change the rules. And I say, yes, you can. 
it's it's good modeling when you know more, when you know something to change your decision about it. Uh, it's um, when you when you know better, you do better, right? It's Dr. Maya Angelou said that. Um, so first thing is to give yourself permission to change the rules as you see things that are not working to, to change the rules. I remember years ago, my boys were interested in Fortnite, the gaming Fortnite. Um, and we looked at it together. We played it once together. I was like, okay, all your friends are doing it. It's probably fine. <clears throat> However, <laughs> After about a week of it, <laughs> I'm listening very closely. <laughs> I was over it. And this is personal experience. This doesn't happen in every family, but this is our own little speed bump, right? So uh, when I would ask kids, my, my boys to get off, they would start raging. They would throw things. They would uh, be mean to each other. They just had such adrenaline and uh, the need to continue this game nonstop that it didn't work for us. And so we had those conversations, hey, I'm noticing this, this, and this. And they said, yeah, we're noticing it too. Uh, so we're gonna take a break for a week. We're gonna try it again. And we did that a couple of times. And finally it was like, you know, it just is not working for us. I made the decision and now I need to reevaluate it. And that's my job as a parent is to evaluate the safety and the health mentally and physically of my kids and make decisions based on that right now. And it may not be the same decision I made last week and that's okay. So that's the first thing is just to, to know that you can change your mind and then to have an honest conversation. Hey, I'm learning so much about um, the types of pressure that you're under. And I know that I gave you this phone and you know, it's, it's still my phone. I still pay for it. Uh, I want to understand a little bit more about what you're going through. And part of that is, you know, doing safety checks on your phone. And part of that is getting this app that will help me filter the, the junk that comes in if I don't have it. You know, whatever the conversation is, it's just, I am learning about this now. And I didn't realize it was important. Now I do. There's 4 billion people on the internet and they're not all good people. Uh, it's not that I don't trust you. That comes up all the time as kids say, you don't trust me. Mm. And you say, I do trust you. And this is a really, uh, this is a really important safety issue that I want to work with you on. It's not me giving you all the rules, but it's us together coming up with a technology contract, me talking to you about what my non-negotiables are. The number one non-negotiable has to be keeping devices out of the bedroom at night, period. Mm. It has to be that because so much happens at night and none of it's good. Right. All of the, most of the regretful things happen after 10 PM, uh, whether it's bullying or sextortion or, uh, just dumb behavior, it happens at night mostly. And, uh, the other part of that is there's this cycle of when kids are on, on phones or devices in the bedroom late at night, we know they're not getting sleep. And we know sleep affects everything else the next day. It's going to affect academics. It's going to affect their mood. It actually affects anxiety and depression as well. So it's this cycle of repeated use late at night leads to sleep deprivation, leads to all these other things too. Learn so much. I'm <laughs> 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 just taking it all in. I have a fortnight, a fortnight-er 
within my my household and i i experienced the rage and uh you know <sighs> for dinner oh no no uh, let, just let me finish this let me get this and and it's like no so we had to actually just take it out of the home it was yeah i i never really equated it with the adrenaline but after hearing you talk about it it, it is that adrenaline that rush of I just got to get this one last, uh, this one last kill or this one last um, move or a gun or whatever it was that they had to do, but learning so much on this. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not every family, I mean, their kids won't react that way. It's just personal stories and noticing behavior changes uh, led me to a different decision. And it sounds like you're, you have a similar story. Yes. Yes. We had a similar story with my younger child. Um, who gets, got so excited playing a game, he would jump up and down mm. like bonkers. And he was having fun, but it was it was like <laughs> everything in the house was shaking. He was getting too oh. excited. So we did, he was not allowed to play that game for a while. Now he's a young adult and he competes in that game. So there's always revisiting something. Okay. Even now, like, right. It doesn't have to be forever. <laughs> it doesn't have to be forever. And that's the other part of this is when you have an open communication you can say, hey, let's take a break for a week and come back to it. Or gosh, we've given this three times and it still isn't working. So let's revisit it in three months. You know, there's ways to give them hope that it's not forever and feel like they don't need to be sneaky, but also to point out what's not going right. Right, mm-hmm. right. Wow, this is definitely gonna need a part two. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, keep us focused. We're on I. Interact. I is for interact. So ask curiosity questions. Let your child or teen be the the tour guide into their world of social media or gaming or whatever they're interested online. If it's, um, I had a period of time where my kids were interested in unboxing, unwrapping uh, Pokemon cards. That's what they were obsessed with. And they just watched YouTube video after YouTube video of other people Mm-hmm. unwrapping cards and they were fascinated by it so whatever they're interested in just like when they were four and interested in dinosaurs or you know whatever the interest was way back then we paid attention we learned more than we ever thought we needed to know about dinosaurs just to help them along again pay attention be interested in what they're doing sit with them uh, let them show you something be curious that's what interact is i'm trying with pokemon i I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know. If you have tips, again, hold another podcast. If you have tips, please send them my way. I'm trying. I can't even pronounce half of the names, but you know, I try and I don't know how much damage I do or um how much power I have or but it's 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 a difficult one. So Pokemon's still around and it's I'll take any tips. It's got another generation of kids, yes. Hmm? You got to catch them all. I got it. <laughs> I can barely put them in a binder. <laughs> wow. Okay. So L. 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 L is for limit. Set limits. Um, L is also for look at. So look at and set limits. Look at what they're doing. Look at uh, what they're paying attention to. Look at who their influencers are. Who do they care about? Uh, what games are they looking at? So look at what they're doing and then set some limits as a family on, you know, when screen time happens, what it looks like. 
do uh do chores and homework have to be done after school before they do screen time? Like, what's it going to be at your house? And it goes back to the align as parents and, and caregivers uh, to have that conversation as adults and then coming back and saying, hey, here's what we propose. Let's talk about, you know, how how we're going to limit screen time so that it's a part of your life. I understand it's important and it's important for me, too, uh, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't overtake you so that other things aren't happening. We want you to accomplish your your goals and your dreams and to achieve things uh, that you have in mind for yourself. And if we just sit around on the couch and are scrolling, uh, we know those things aren't going to happen. So let's let's have it be a balance. So there's the limit and look at as um, as a family. And then again, there's apps that you can use to help that. And there's a couple of free apps uh, that help you limit time and set bedtimes for devices so that they just don't work after a certain time uh, and have offline times. And there's there's apps that can help you do that. And that really helps just to set, again, setting expectations, setting standards of, oh, my phone doesn't actually work as an internet device after 10 at night. So along with that, I'm sorry for bombarding questions. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, I'm taking so much from this. Um, you mentioned something before that goes along with this. And I forgive me if I'm saying the wrong name, but a screen contract or an online contract. Yeah, technology contract or a screen contract. Yeah. So do you recommend putting all of this into the contract? And should this be like on a board as well in the house or, you know, so the kids can always be reminded of it. But would you recommend like this, this entire academic inside of that contract? Yes. I think the contract should be specific. And I, I don't think that parents should put more than a few rules in there as non-negotiables. I think a lot of this, you know, you can have a family meeting and talk about pieces of this using the five circles of safety. Um, but, but talking through, what does this look like for our family? When is a good time to take your phone and go through it and, you know, just see what types of messages you're getting and that kind of thing, like helping them see the safety value of that. And also uh, kids want us to be the bad guys. They want us to have some rules and limits so that they can say, you guys, my mom is so mean. She doesn't let me have the phone until I'm done with my homework. They get to achieve something. They get to do something that's important to them and they'll catch up with their friends at six at night or whenever their homework is done. So it's normal. We set limits all the time when it's not a screen involved. And it's for some reason, it's hard to think about setting limits in the same way with screens. So we've got, we've got regular bedtime limits. We've got limits on candy and you know, how late they can be out at night and all of these things. We've got limits offline in, in real life uh, a lot. As kids get older, we want to work with them more on these um, offline limits. But same thing with, with online. We can set up rules and, and limits and work with them. And, and you're right, Greg, uh, this should be posted somewhere in the house. And like every three months, you can have a family meeting where you're focused on, okay, what's changed? How is everything going? Hopefully they'll get more freedom along the way because they're using what they have well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to kind of back off like Fortnite, uh, but <laughs> they, they want to see progress. They want to see, okay, there's hope for the next thing that I really want, whether that's Snapchat or you know, 
some game. They want to see progress. And so opening up and giving them more freedom and independence makes sense. And again, we want them to, to have enough freedom and independence so that they feel comfortable making mistakes with us and we can guide them through, you know, how do we repair this? What do we need to do? Uh, before they leave the house, once they leave the house, it's they're adults, right? And if uh, there are, there are criminal things that they could get into as adults versus uh, when they're teens, it's it's a lesser issue. Uh, so we want them to be making mistakes while they're home. Wow. How do you balance the contract with what the kids can do um, versus what the parents are allowed to do? Mm. Good question. I would think, you know, the kids would be like, well, how come you can be on your phone and you haven't eaten dinner yet? Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The reality is it's a good it's a good reminder to us that we are role models. And when we're with our kids, first of all, when you think about how much of the day, like on a school day, how much of the day you actually get to influence your kids, it's not that many hours of the day between you know in the morning everybody's so focused on rushing around getting out the door going to school getting to school getting to work doing the things uh there's not a lot of quality time that happens until after school you know when parents get home um so you want to be intentional in sort of 15 minute bursts of you know how was your day tell me about this teacher tell me about your assignment you know asking questions that are not yes or no questions <laughs> they get more than a, a yes or a no or a fine my day was fine but uh, to be involved enough to say hey I know you have a presentation how did it go um, doing those 15 minute bursts where you are completely focused you have no phone around and they see that they matter they see that they're connected with you um, and then talking to them just ongoing I have a bad habit my habit is I pick up my phone when I'm bored or when I'm anxious. I I know you know other people that uh, do that too. Maybe you do that. So just having that open conversation about, you know, I'm picking up my phone when I don't need to or when I feel like uh, I might be missing out on something. Do you ever do that? I've, you know, I've noticed when you're in the car, you tend to do it like just having that conversation open and honest and transparent about, you know, I've got this problem. And I want to do better. So it's not about um, parents can't pick up the phone and feel okay about it around their kids. It's about dedicated time when we know they're not going to pick up their phones so that kids get that eye contact. They have a sense of uh, my parent wants to um, wants to be with me and I matter in this family. This is deep. <laughs> deep. I feel like I could we're gonna go home it's gonna be a whole new landscape when I <laughs> <laughs> all right we're on we're on why because I need the the I need the closing okay <laughs> why why is easy uh why is in the middle of the five circles of safety and it is literally the question why why are we doing this why are we spending so much time here when past generations didn't have to it's because in this day and age the online world matters as much as the offline world. So this matters to us. Dedicating some time to understand what's happening matters. It matters for physical safety of our kids, mental safety of our kids. 
uh, and their general well-being in our relationship. So this matters. This, be prepared for a part two. That's all. <laughs> I feel like, you know how they say you scratch the surface. I don't even think we scratched the complete surface yet. <laughs> and, and this is just amazing. For for our listeners who want to hear more, want to learn more, or want, want to have you uh, speak or come for training, how what's the best way to get in contact? Oh, yes. They can go to centerforonlinesafety.com. There's at the at the top, there's a pink button that says free stuff. Uh, you can look there for the different trainings that we have and the different types of things that we do. Uh, and if you go to educate.centerforonlinesafety.com, that'll show the workshops coming up. You can always hire us to, to hire me to be involved in PTA meetings or any kind of uh corporate setting where there's parents and community members uh, that are interested in this topic. Or if you're listening, you can be prepared for part two. It's coming. <laughs> Absolutely. It's coming. I want to come back. All right. Well, Lisa, we thank you. I know I am just completely energized, ready to go home and just start all these new regulations with my kids and look into those phones. I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. We'll get a lot of gray hairs off my face and hair <laughs> <laughs> from the kids asking, can they have phones? But I, I can't thank you enough for all this information. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. I am so happy that we had this conversation. Can't wait for part two. All, all right. right. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Take care now. Bye-bye. I'm Polly, and you've just listened to Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally Preventable. Totally preventable. Totally preventable.